It's Johnny Jet, and this is my 39 travel questions. And today we are blessed with Andrew McCarthy, who is a not only a big time actor, director, but he's also a big time traveler. And actually, Andrew, I've obviously watched your movies, you know, Weekend at Bernie's, Less Than Zero, St. Elmo's Fire, Pretty in Pink. I didn't watch that. I'm kidding. I did watch it. Um, it's more for girls. <laughs> And, uh, but anyway, I was flying from LA to New York to go to a travel conference and I'm reading either National Geographic Traveler or Travel and Leisure. And there's an article by Andrew McCarthy. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Andrew McCarthy is now going to be a travel writer. How am I going to compete with this guy? And sure enough, when I get to the conference the next day, there's Andrew standing there and I went right up to you. I was like, Andrew, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> anyway and he was really nice and uh we, a while ago now I, I don't even know how long ago 10 years ago yeah more 15 maybe yeah something like has that. it really been that long well i started travel writing in 2004 so it was around wow, time is flying by so i'm gonna jump right into it go where'd you grow up uh, I grew up in Westfield, New Jersey, which is sort of suburbia, I guess. And then, uh, which is, you know, house in the middle of the block, you know, that perfect after idyllic after school, you know, lifestyle of be home by dinner, be home at six o'clock. And my parents had no idea what we did all afternoon, you know, which was nothing. I mean, we were just playing basketball and running around the streets. But uh, yeah, it was fine. Total normal suburban. And then we moved out to Bernardsville, which was out in uh, rural New Jersey for the last how far are they from New York City? Uh, Burlington is probably an hour, 45 minutes, something like that. I never went into the city. When I was a kid, I never, ever okay. went into the city. But uh, it was very much in New yeah, Jersey. I, I grew up an hour from New York City, too. Sorry? I grew up an hour from New York City in Connecticut. And although we used to go in when, when I was a teenager. Um, did you go to college? I went to NYU, yeah. And, and what did you uh, study? I studied acting. I was in the theater program at NYU. And uh, so, yeah, when I made that trip through the Holland Tunnel, it was a one-way trip. I rarely ever go back to New Jersey. <laughs> but, yeah, I moved to the city in 19, <clears throat> 1980 and, uh, when I was 17, which makes me 57. And uh, for those of you doing the math, uh, yeah, and I have lived there ever since. And what is your earliest travel memory? My earliest travel memory? Good one. We used to go to a place in the Poconos called Sky Top Lodge, which was like one of those old school family, all-inclusive jobs. And uh, we would only ever go in the winter. It's a year-round thing, but we went in the winter. Where there was, and the best thing about it was they had a toboggan run, which was up on some hill and it went shooting you out across the lake, which was frozen. <laughs> and it was thrilling. That was like the the highlight of my childhood. I used to love to go back there. Well, I don't know. We probably went three or four times. And, uh, and to go on the toboggan shoot down over the lake was just fantastic. Is it know. still there or is it not it even cold? I went back there um, like two or three years ago on Thanksgiving. I took my family, my kids, and my mother, and we all went out for the toboggan run was not open yet because it was still only Thanksgiving. But we went for like three nights and it was still exactly the same. The menu was exactly the same. <laughs> and that old school, all inclusive family kind of thing, which you first get to and you're kind of like, oh my God, uh, dinosaurs. But then after a couple of, you know, it's fantastic. 
and it was it's a real family that old time version of what family vacations were. It was really fun. Yeah. Really fun. That would be my first kind of uh, meaningful. Yeah, we, we always used to drive. We drove to uh, Washington, oh, yeah, Long Island. Yeah. yeah, we always drove. I mean, when, and my uncle lived down the Jersey Shore, so we used to go down the shore to Long Beach Island, to Beach Haven, all the time to his place and everything. And then when I was a teenager, I got a house down in, in Seaside with some buddies of mine and worked at the Pizza Pub and Seaside Heights on the boardwalk and, you know, all that, which is, you know, that's the best thing about Jersey is the shore, you yeah, know. For sure. We used to go to Atlantic City. My dad loved to gamble. So... We went there often. Um, how about how many countries do you think you've been to, and how many miles do you think you've flown? I don't know. I don't. I don't count. Um, I'm a million mile flyer on American, but I don't think that means you've flown a million miles. I think that's just some category they give you, right? Well, they, no used to, they used to count credit card spend towards it. Now, actually, they just brought it back since this pandemic's going on. But well, then I definitely get a million miles flyer if they count credit card. Um, uh, I have how many countries? I don't know. 30, 40? I have no idea really. I mean, right. I've been, you know, I'm, I'm going to send you a list. I'm going to send you a list after this. How many have you been to? I've been to, it depends which list you're doing. By the UN, I've probably been to 75. Wow. Out of 193. Okay. I'm looking at the map behind you. So I've been to all those up the east side of Africa. So Good that's for you. In there, yeah, I, I, I love Africa. Um, that's real travel, isn't it? Anyway, I don't know. I've been to, I don't know, not near as many as you, and miles, not near as many as you. But I fly all the time. But see, my problem, and Johnny, maybe you can solve this. I have, I have so many frequent flyer mile programs that I don't get anything, and I can never use my miles. I can never use my miles. What is the deal with these people now? Now, I guess maybe they'll be nicer to us again. Now they open them up. Now it's wide open. The, the trick with using miles, which is a whole nother program, is to be flexible. Like if you're trying to go when your kids are out of school, it's not going to happen. No, I need to go Tuesday and I need to go in the morning. And like, yeah, it's never available. Yeah, that's, <laughs> even then it's not available? No, but I'm always doing it like a day before, two days before. I well, never. That's actually usually the best time to do it. Or is it? Was before the whole pandemic because the airlines would open the seats up because they couldn't sell them. They might as well give them away. Right. Or you do it 330 days in advance when they load the uh, system, but not that even then they even block it off. So, but these days they're wide open for miles and points. Have you but, traveled? Have you been traveling at all during that? Not, not since the pandemic. I haven't. So today is April 28th, I think, and I have not been on a plane since late February or early oh my March. God, you must be like having twitching and all sorts of issues. <laughs> oh, for sure. How about yourself? Have you been on a plane lately? I have not. No, I haven't been on a plane since it started. Yeah. I mean, I find this whole thing the hardest part of it all. I mean, I was sick. I had I had the virus. I very mildly, and you know, I tested positive, and then I tested positive for antibodies. So I'm on sort of what feels like the other side of it, um, which is a relief. Wow. Um, but the hardest part I find of the whole thing is the sense of feeling the lack of freedom. It's just the lack of like I don't. Like when I had was positive for the virus, they used to come by my house every day to check and make sure I was still quarantining. Wow. So I felt like a prison. So the lack of freedom has been the biggest issue that, and I never knew, I always knew that like my idea of hell would be, the ninth circle of hell would be to be in prison. So I try and always pay my taxes. But the idea that we're trapped without freedom, the idea that I can't go if I want to go is right. very difficult. I understand. And were you in New York City, by the way, when you had it? Is that when they were... No, I'm, I'm upstate now. I'm upstate New York, and I had it up here. So it's nice. So I can get out, and I'm around a lake, so I can go kayaking and 
which I didn't do when I was locked down, uh, and you know, hiking and walking. So thank and did your God. Kids, did your kids and wife get it? Yeah, everybody got it. Passed through the house, you know. Damn. And everyone was fine. I was the only one with symptoms. Okay, well, um, I'm glad to hear you. You were fine. Um, do you have a favorite American city besides New York City? Yeah, I was going to say New York, right? Um, I mean, although I love and hate New York, I mean, I've lived in New York for 40 years, and so it's sort of just like this relationship. But uh, I like see, I like Portland a lot. Portland, um, Maine, or Portland, Oregon? Portland, Portland uh, Oregon. Um, I, I like small towns. You know, when I don't have a, like I love Lander, Wyoming. I think that's great. Um, and some, I like Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, it's a nice small little city. Um, what's yours? Uh, L.A. That's where I live. I love L.A. Yeah, you know, I've been going to L.A. for however many years. You know, f you know, thirty. One day for my first job is in nineteen eighty-two. So then, since then, and I, I, I love L.A. Now I, I've gone to really love it. I've gone through periods where I hated it and everything. But uh, I'm not a big driver, so L.A. If you don't embrace the drive, then I, I'm not either. So if you live down by the beach, you don't have to get on the freeways. If you're lucky enough not to have a job where you have to travel, which I don't on the freeways um you know down by the beach is the best yeah being a west side is where it's at in la i think if i would if i were to live in la i would live out there santa monica or venice or something like that yeah for sure how about international city do you have a favorite one you know what what did audrey hepburn say paris is always a good idea um that's my wife's them. sorry that's my wife's favorite city Paris. Yeah, I mean, how can it not be? My wife used to live in Paris for years, and um, I mean, Paris is fantastic. I, I love Paris. I, I love I know, Amsterdam. It's a great town. I took my son when he was 13 on my father-son trip to Amsterdam because it can feel very exotic and far away, and, but it's very easy at the same time. You know what I mean? It's so different than America, but it's, it feels far off. Um, but other, those two, I guess, I like a lot. All right. How about where are the friendliest people in the world? Four of the friendliest people in the world? The friendliest, just the friendliest. Or have you encountered the friendliest people? Friendliest people in the world? That's a good one. Uh, you know, this sounds ridiculous, but New Yorkers are actually quite friendly. Uh, we're very brusque and sort of get to the point, but actually I've known New Yorkers go out of their way for people constantly. I think New Yorkers are really friendly. Um, I always found the Spanish really friendly and accessible and helpful, you know? Yeah, um, I would have bet money you were going to say Ireland since your wife is Irish. Yeah, and we have a home in Ireland, and I love like, the Irish are super friendly. The Irish are funny. Though. See, now that I have a home there and I have in-laws there, so I, I see the underneath side of Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I, the Irish are great, and, you know, Ireland's the kind of place where it's, it's exactly like what you think it's going to be like. And you can walk into any pub and, and be in a conversation, even if you're an introvert like me, and be in a conversation conversation in 30 seconds but you know there's darkness to the irish and i think it's you know has to do with the drink um because there's so much of it uh but the irish are great you know and uh they're very aware of their failings and which i always appreciate um for sure i find people generally everywhere kind of except of course paris <laughs> very friendly and like you know, whenever i ask for help anywhere i've always you know easily right. gone and do they always recognize you wherever you go in the world do people recognize me? Yeah. Uh, often in the most random spots and at the most random times. And it's always proved very helpful to me. And are they Americans that recognize you or, the, or just the locals? No, local, but Americans do sometimes too, but um, more locally kind of 
people like, you know, I was down in Peru a few years ago and these people, they're just like, really? You saw Weekend of Bernie's? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I remember a million years ago in uh, 1989, I was in um, Berlin when the Berlin Wall fell. And I was down by the wall the night it fell and people were, we were all going crazy and jumping and screaming and drinking and banging the wall. There was a guy next to me with a sledgehammer smashing the wall and I picked up a piece of the wall and this guard grabbed me. And I said, like, what? I'm sorry, sorry, everyone else is there all taking pieces of the wall. And he just grabbed me and went, Catholic Boys, which was a movie I knew. It was called Heaven Help Us Here in America. And I was like, yeah, 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 Catholic Boys. So the East Berlin border guard recognized wow. me. Random. Uh, what were you doing in Berlin, by the way, then? Were you I, doing there? I was doing a film. Okay. Yeah. Um, how about which country has the meanest immigration officers? America. <laughs> I get that a lot lately. My wife has gone through hell because she's a green card. She's not a citizen. And she, they, they persecute her mercilessly coming in for no reason. Clearly, we're together. She's my wife. We have three kids with us. We're not, they just, it's just, I, I find it, um, America's border policy is. Right. I'm with you. My wife's, my wife's a green card holder, too. She's Canadian, so. Um, although I was stopped in Canada once and like, brought into a room and interrogated in Canada. Which, I, I, they're the worst, I think. Well, they're very kind of like, you know, militant and, you know, it's like, anyway. Um, and I had an issue once in Africa. Where was I? I was in um, Harare, maybe. And I was going to an airport and they brought me into, like, you went through security, except they didn't have an electric security. So you went into a little room, they closed it off. There was a guy in there, he patted you down, and then he opened the other side to let you go. Except so he patted me down, and then he just kind of went, what? what? And they took me a few minutes to yeah, <laughs> took me a few minutes to go, oh, 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 okay, here, here, take this. And then off I went, you know, which is fine, fair enough. Um, and how much was it? 20 bucks, 100 bucks? Yeah, at most, right? I, I, it was nothing. It was just whatever cash I had. It was, gotcha. you know, it was more of a gesture, I think, of you know, carrying charges. <laughs> Any place you have no desire to go to? I've been to Luxembourg twice. That's enough. Um, sorry about that. Uh, no desire to go to. You know, I hate to say this, but I, and I've been there a couple of times. I, I really don't need to go to Mexico again. Is terrible. Um, is certain parts of Mexico, or no? I don't know anything about Mexico, really. I mean, I shouldn't even say that. Um, but uh, no, I'm generally curious to go anywhere. I'll, I'll go anywhere. You know, I think um, what, what if I'm not having a good time somewhere? I, I'm like my kids. I either need a snack or a nap. You know, um, <laughs> but I'm curious to go anywhere. And the more places I'm going, the more curious I become. I think curiosity is an amazing the most valuable asset you can have when traveling, you know, and in life, actually. But, uh, no, I'd go, I can't think of a spot where if you say, I'm going here, you want to go, that I would want to say no to, generally. That's, that's a good answer. Do you have a favorite airline or favorite aircraft type? No, I, you, you, you're the man for that. I, I, I like, as long as I'm up front, I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my location in the plane that I'm after. Um, so I don't know, I like, you know, I'm a terrible flyer. I, I'm, I'm very frightened of flying, and yet I do it all the time. So, but I do find myself less afraid in the bigger, bigger the plane I'm in, the less afraid I am. I do like the old the 47. I flew, with you. I flew with you once. You did not seem afraid. Um, um, no, and, um, 
And what was the other part of that question? Oh, fair day, like, you know, no, I've miles everywhere. I mean, I've been longest at American Airlines, but I mean, you know, I don't have a favorite airline. Gotcha. Although How about, um, very have, nice. you sat, have you sat next to any celebrities besides? I sat next to Dan Rather once. Cool. Yeah. Was, and did you uh, talk? You know, no. <laughs> anyway, I think we talk in the way that people do on airplanes sometimes where it's like once you've landed and you're getting up then you sort of chat because you know it's only going to be five minutes so you can be done right uh, but no I think now I would chat I was young and I didn't I was young and stupid and uh, I think now I would. and where were you going LA New York or New York, I think LA? I was going back from LA to New York I think that's where, that's where I sat next to most of the celebrities um I sat next to um Julie Andrews once on a plane. Awesome. She yeah, was, I, I did not uh, bother her. <laughs> yeah, she was on my flight once, and uh, actually, one flight I had like three of these guys on there, and they they didn't know they were going to be on together, and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" And I got fortunate to be upgraded, so I sat right near them. Um, but she was good. I remember she came on the plane and went and said hello to the captain, to all the students, sort of like get it out of the way. And she went and said hi to everybody and was super gracious and then sat down next to me. And Yep, that's how she was on my flight. Uh, favorite U.S. airport? What's that one, the first one that put in those rocking chairs? Charlotte. Um, yeah, I thought that was really nice. <laughs> I mean, you'd know that. Uh, yeah, I remember that being a nice one. Um, they're, getting, they're getting a lot better. I'll tell you what aren't nice airports are the New York airports. Jesus, any one of them. They're all like public toilets. Um, all three international? airports are terrible. What's that? you have a favorite international airport? No, only in the sense that I like Schiphol in Amsterdam because it always, when I started traveling, and I'd always travel alone. I would always start in Amsterdam. I'd go on these European trips. I would free, for a number of years, I just would sort of, and I'd always fly into Schiphol. And it always was exciting to me because it was like the beginning of my trip. And I'd always start in Amsterdam, and then I wouldn't know where I was going, and I'd branch out and just sort of keep going. And it was, but it was always where I started. Uh, so I'd why like, is that, by the way? Why, why is it that's where you would start? Uh, because it felt exactly that we were talking about earlier. It was sort of exotic, far from home. And it was a good place to get over jet lag because I could just ride my bike along the canals at any hour. And it just all, it seemed to be open all the time. And it was a good, it just felt like a nice, easy, manageable place to begin. Gotcha. And from there you're on, you know, you're on the mainland of Europe so you can go anywhere and, you know, it's easy. And would you take the train or? And there was a girl that I'd met there once. So I'd kind of go back. And there up. we go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when I take, yeah, I'd often take the train. Yeah. yeah me too. Uh, do you have a favorite airport lounge? Anyone that lets me in. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Okay. How about a favorite hotel anywhere in the world? There are many. I, I always, I went to the Villa d'Este on Lake Como once a million years ago. I loved that. I'd always love to go back there. Portofino, uh, what's it, the Splendido in Portofino? I remember being to, thought it was fantastic. Um, those two jump out. I was in a gay. I was in at a game lodge somewhere in Africa. Maybe it was at the Chobi Game Lodge. That you know, because they had so many fantastic elephants. It was great. But uh, you know, I found I went through a phase of loving, loving, loving very posh hotels, particularly when other people were paying. But I found that the older I get and the more I travel, the less I like to go to fancy hotels because I end up having a great hotel experience and not experiencing this where I'm at. I can often just sort of 
why go out? This is so nice here, <laughs> you know, it's not the point. So uh, I tend to go to much less fancy hotels now than yeah, I used to. That's a real good point. How about a uh, favorite island or, and beach? I like Fakarava in, uh, in Tahiti. I love Tahiti and Fakarava is one of the um, two motos out there. And I, I, they had great, just one little shop that had the best croissant I've ever had. And they had great scuba diving and they, the people were great. I, I thought Fakarava was, and I love saying Fakarava. I lived on Maui for a time and I love Hawaii. I love the Hawaiian Islands. I think, you know, they're, there's like a little portion or more than one little portion of each island that's been kind of ruined by mass tourism, but there's still the vast majority of the Hawaiian islands are so beautiful. And I, I, I like the Hawaiians. I like, I, I love Hawaii. I always thought I would sort of end up in Hawaii, but it, I seem to be going the wrong way. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm an island person. I love, I love islands. I'm not a fan of the Caribbean. I, I think the Caribbean has, um, there's some beautiful spots and beautiful beaches. And I've been to the lovely Little Dick's Bay is lovely, beautiful cove. And when we used to exist, Keneal Bay was beautiful and things, but I'm not, I, there's no culture in the Caribbean anymore. It's all, they're all in service of tourism, rich mainlanders coming down. And I think they resent us for it. And with good reason. And there's, I'm, I haven't been on, I've been on very few islands down in the Caribbean that have still have maintained anything like their own culture, except the service rich people who are coming in for a week and they hate us for it. You know what? That's a good point. How about a favorite restaurant anywhere in the world? Um, Sabatini's in Rome on the Piazza di Santa Maria in Trastevere. It's my favorite. It's not the best Italian restaurant in the world I've ever been to, but it is by far my favorite. Like if I could have one meal transported for one meal before I die, I'd go to Sabatini's and sit out on the terrace, look across the, you know, at the fountain in the church and have the, uh, Aglio, oily, peppercino, and some veal, and yeah, that would be a, I, that would be my last port of call. How about favorite food? You know, I'm a kid from New Jersey. I I I, I, I love pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, I, I um. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I have comfort food. I love I love pizza and cheeseburgers. <laughs> How about paper pizza place? Mine's uh, Pepe's in Connecticut. I like John's Pizza right on Bleecker Street. I think John's makes a terrific pizza. Yeah. Okay, good. And I've been there once. I got to go back. What's that? Sorry. I got to go back. I've only been once. Oh yeah, it's great. When I before I had kids, I always said I'm gonna take my kids here to John's, and then you know I have now taken my kids to John's. It feels like a real family legacy kind of. The problem with John's Pizza is like there's so many places in New York City called John's Pizza or John's yeah. Best or Ray's yeah. Best and all that. Well, there's a Ray's. There's a Ray's that has now 50 million Ray's. Although the Ray's on 11th Street, the original Ray's on 11th Street and 6th Avenue, which is gone, I survived on when I was in college, but that's gone. But yeah, John's Brick Oven Pizza on Bleecker is my favorite. Though. Okay. How about the craziest thing you've ever eaten? I ate some kind of slug in the Amazon, which I didn't enjoy. But I was doing a story and I, I just, you know, I was looking for, this is early on in my travel run and I thought I needed something like that. <laughs> and I don't know what it was. It was some kind of sluggy thing that was on a thing. And the guy said, oh, you can eat this. We eat this. It's good to have it. And I was like, did you eat it live? Yeah. No, you ate it live. Yeah. Make you sick? Only gagging because I knew what it was. But once <laughs> it was in, it didn't make me sick. But I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't have to do it a second time. 
Yeah. In New Zealand, I ate a grub worm, but they cooked it right before. And actually, it tastes like chicken. Yeah. That's what they say. <laughs> uh, do you have a drink of choice in the air or on the ground? I drink water when I'm flying. I, you know, I drink sparkling water. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I drink a lot of sparkling water and a lot of tea. I, I did a travel story about uh, Darjeeling tea uh, a number of years ago, and I became a real tea snob. I knew nothing about tea, and tea's fascinating, actually. And so I became very involved. Very, it, tea's like wine. The more you sort of find out, the more you find the deep. You can go well deep down a rabbit hole in tea, and I did. And so now I have all these exotic. Like I'm drinking right now a uh, a Darjeeling first flush here. That's uh, <laughs> Lovely tea. Uh, so I drink a lot of tea, too much tea, and uh, and water. By the way, I should have asked you earlier. How did you get involved in travel writing? I mean, you went from being an actor, director, to you know, travel writing. Yeah, I, I was. You know, I traveled a lot between jobs, and then I, I walked across the Camino de Santiago in Spain, and that changed my life. That trip, um, you know, that five it's five hundred mile walk across the north of Spain, and. Uh, that was that was a very big experience for me, and so I kept traveling after that, and um, then I just was traveling and traveling, and then eventually I met an editor at a magazine, and I said at a party, and I said, you know, you ought to let me write for your magazine. And he said, you're an actor, dude, and I said, yeah, but I can tell a story. That's what I do. So anyway, so eventually I convinced him to let him write a story, and and I just began. You know, I loved traveling. I, I find travel has real value. I don't think travel is you know, for the idle or for the wealthy. I think travel changes people's lives. It could change mine, you know. Yeah. I, it helped me realize how much fear had dominated my life and it helped me walk through that fear, which changed, liberated me entirely. And I think travel does that for people completely. And travel changes our points of view. That great Mark Twain line, you know, travel's fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, I think is completely true. I think if Americans, this is my soapbox, Johnny, obviously, I think if Americans traveled more, we'd be very different people. We'd be much less, you know, Americans are very fearful, no matter what we say. Americans are extraordinarily fearful. And if we went out to the world, we would see that the world is not like what we're sold here. We're sold a bill of goods for political reasons. And the world is, by and large, a very safe place. And, uh, and people come back changed from it, like I did. And so I started writing about that. And I never wrote about that. I always wrote about a destination or a story hook about tea or something else. But underneath every story that I wrote was that notion that travel is important and valuable and it will change you like it changed me. And I think you can feel that underneath. That's why I got successful at travel writing, because underneath it, I, I knew how important it was. And I also knew that the, the point of travel story is tell me a story. Don't sell me a destination. I knew intuitively because of the acting and directing that what I do is storytelling that tell us, tell a good story and it'll follow you anywhere. You just list off stuff and places I'm bored in five seconds. So, uh, it just was natural fit. You know, it, it sort of was like the same thing as acting was for me when I was young. You know, I, I found myself in acting when I was 15 and you know, 20 years later I found myself through travel again. And so to me, they were sort of the exact same thing. And where did you find yourself? Where was that trip? Well, that would have been the first of my experience was, was walking across Spain, you know, in the, on the Camino. And then uh, right after that, I went down to, uh, to Southeast Asia. This is in the early 90s. And so, you know, I went to found Angkor Wat long before. There was nothing in Angkor Wat. There was nothing there. 
I borrowed a kid's bike. I gave him a dollar and went riding out to the to the ruins. And it's the only place I've ever been where you know people travel as snobs are always going. Oh, I should have been here 25 years ago, you know. And you always want to punch those people. But that place, I was there 25, years, and I can say you should have been there 25 years ago. Um, you know, that trip was another profound sort of trip. I walked, went all through Southeast Asia and Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia, and I, I you know, alone. And I always travel alone because I, I, I think if you and I travel together, we have our own experience together, and, you know, you're hungry, so we got to go stop and eat, and I'm tired, I don't want to take enough. But I just think traveling alone, you know, you're dependent on the kindness of strangers. You're, you can have no plans. You can do whatever you want. You know, I, I find traveling alone the way to travel. And people don't travel alone for only two reasons, and that's fear and physical safety, which we talked about, which I think is bunk, you know, and fear of loneliness, which is, you know, I think, you know, we're alone and lonely quite a lot. We ought to learn how to deal with that. So, uh, I, you know, traveling alone, I'm all, it's my other great soapbox. These days, it's a lot different when you're traveling alone because you have FaceTime, you have Skype. So, you know, I guess so. I never do that. I mean, I, you know, when I travel, I rarely get to travel alone anymore because I have a family and kids and wife and everything. It's like, we're going <laughs> plus five, you know? So, uh, but, I, but I, I certainly you can, and I try not to, I do think, you know, the whole Paul Thoreau's books changed my life, you know, his travel books. And he was always, you know, go, go alone, go far, get out of touch. I think that's absolutely true. If you need a phone to sort of, if you get in trouble, fine. But I think the default into our phone every five seconds, like, you know, we do all day long in real life, but also on the road is a real uh, loss. Yeah. Leave the phone at home. I mean, my, I, I was afraid to leave internationally. Growing up, we never traveled internationally and I was really afraid. And when I did go away, I was like, man, I feel safer out of the United States than I do at home. And a lot of it is the media. But then I, I, I always preach now that the more people that travel, I think the less prejudices there will be in the world. And I oh, for sure. really agree with that. Without question. You know, I often feel safer when I'm on the road simply because I'm more invigorated in, in myself and I realize I am safer in the world. You know, if I felt that way at home, I'd feel just as safe. I think we just feel not safe often when we just are disconnected from ourselves. And, you know, for me, when I travel, it just plugs me into who I am for, for whatever reason. Right. Uh, do you have a favorite travel movie? No. No. <laughs> I can't. Do you consider Weekend and Bernie's a, a travel movie? Well, I don't know if Weekend and Bernie's qualifies as a travel movie. <laughs> Maybe Weekend and Bernie's too. Uh, what's yours? Um, Crocodile Dundee. Jesus. <laughs> I loved Crocodile Dundee. That, that, that made me want to go to Australia. And that's when I really started oh, traveling. Funny. So, okay. Uh, I guess that's not yours. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that movie in 20 years. It's just funny to hear it again. Um, I remember thinking it was funny. Uh, no, I don't have one. I can't think of one. Okay. How about, how about a travel show or a, or a book or a travel book? Well, like I said, Paul Theroux's books changed my life as travel books because, you know, he really and it inspired my travel writing and how I ever want to travel. You know, his, the old Patagonian Express was the first one. Someone gave me that and that it was huge. I, I think that was a, a big deal for me because I, I just had never considered traveling like that before. And I thought that was uh, great. And, oh, but all his books, his recent um, book about Mexico, Plane of Snakes is terrific. Almost made me want to go to Mexico. Uh, 
And I think his other recent book, Deep South, is terrific. But I think all, most, most of his uh, travel books are pretty terrific. Um, and have you met him? Yeah, yeah. And I interviewed him for The Atlantic, and we stayed in touch. So I, uh, cool. I asked him, I emailed him about how he uh, was holding up during this lockdown, him, you know, being a person who needs freedom. And he just said, I'm looking forward to happier days. You know, <laughs> he's locked down in Hawaii, so how bad can it be? Uh, but we were chatting about like, where do you want to go first? I think the moment when we're allowed to go somewhere is a huge travel opportunity. Right. But culturally and personally and financially, which you'd know probably much better about. I think that's a huge, you know, and my work is, you know, I largely direct television shows. Being a travel writer is great, but you don't make, can't put three kids through school as a travel writer. Uh, and I direct uh, television shows. Which ones, by the way? I did, you know, I directed Orange is New Black for years. I do the show called The Blacklist, um, show called The Sinner, but a bunch of different shows. And um, like I was in the middle of doing The Blacklist, right, where we chucked out. Uh, in New York City? New York City, yeah. And, I, I, you know, my work won't start up for a couple months after we get out because uh, it just takes a while to get the machine up and running. And who knows wh what it'll be like. But I plan the second we can go to just to go again, to just get, I've been talking to my wife, we're just, we're going to go, we're going to go to Ireland, see her family because she hasn't gotten to see her family. And then we're just going to go for a while because it's going to be a great opportunity. And culturally, I think it'll be important for other places to sort of kickstart that economy and culturally to talk to people what they've been through and whatnot. I was actually thinking of walking across the Camino again because Spain was hard hit and up north and everything. So I thought I'd like to walk across, you know, and, and it's interesting because it's such a fearful time. There's so much fear out there in the world now. And when I first walked the Camino, it was about my big revelation was just how fear had dominated my life so much. So I thought, and it's 25 years later, I thought it would be a great sort of bookend to go now at the end of this fearful time and walk the Camino again, which I, you know, may have the time. <laughs> it's because my work won't start up. So I may do that. I've actually just got a map in the, now, two days ago, a book of all the albergues and all the places, how the Camino's changed. And so I was looking at it and sort of plotting. So how soon would you go do that walk? I'd go kind of the minute we're let free. Is that because I, you I, had I, the virus and you think... You, I'm, 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 I'm good to go. And, uh, and I would just like to see people right as they're coming out of this. I think it's, you know, a powerful time, you know, and particularly... You know, walking is a great way to connect with people because you're going at that proper speed, you know. So, and I'm sure people have got a lot of stories to tell right now. Right. And, and speaking of travel books, we should plug your books. I read one of them on my honeymoon. So you have two books, correct? <laughs> I've written two. I've just written the third, actually, that'll be published next year. But that's a memoir from my uh, Brat Pack days in the 80s. It's about, the, about that. But yeah, I have two books. One travel book called The Longest Way Home and uh, a novel called Just Fly Away. Yeah, I read the longest way home. Um, all right, we're down, we're, we're down to like four questions. What's that? We're down to like four questions. So thank you. But for I didn't answer the second half of that question. You said my favorite. What, what was the other second? Uh, travel, travel show. Oh, travel! I thought Bourdain show was the only good travel show early on. I think it got a little lazy, but you know, after ten, twelve seasons, I could not. But I, I thought he really, you know, captured. And did you ever meet him or hang out with him? No. 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 Um, what do you always seem to forget when you travel? Chargers. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, chargers. You know? um, how about your worst travel moment? And don't 
say the time where I made you take the M60 bus from LaGuardia. Oh, Jesus, that may be my worst travel moment, Johnny. <laughs> that might be the worst travel experience of my life. When you made me take that bus from LaGuardia. Um, that's funny. <laughs> I think that's right. I, but it does play right into that notion of, I often go very, very cheap when I'm traveling, but whenever I try and travel to save, whenever I try and save money when I travel for the sole purpose of saving money, it's always like, this is stupid. I just saved a dollar fifty doing this. And I was like, I, I just think that's stupid. Um, but I also find that in real life, whenever I'm doing some justice, you know, people can say, oh, well, you have money. I have money to some degree, <laughs> not as much as I would like. Or, but I, I think when, when money dominates us, it's not useful. You know, we make bad decisions. It's like when fear dominates us. We make bad decisions. Okay. And, um, but I don't know that, you know, most travel experiences, particularly for travel writer, you want something to go wrong. The worst experience is the best story. So you always want stuff to go wrong. Um, and what's the worst but, thing that's gone wrong on you, by the way? On my honeymoon, we went to Africa, um, went to Mozambique and you know, we got a flat tire going out of the thing, so we missed our flight. So then we had to sleep by the side of the road in this in this ditch. And then the next, the plane was canceled. And then the next plane had to make an emergency landing. And we never, you know, it was this crazy circumstance of events that was utterly African and ridiculous. Because in Africa, once one thing starts to go, it's viral. In Africa, you need to be somewhere by sundown. You just want to be settled. By, and we weren't a couple of times. And it was just like, oh, my God. what? And everything just is getting going from bad to worse here. Um, and it's hard to fix things quick in Africa, you know? So uh, that was the most sort of, but it, it was all fine in the end and people helped us and more people were like, what are you doing here? You don't want to be here, you know? And I, you know, there have always been travel angels in my life, so. You're a lucky man. Um, what is your most embarrassing travel moment? Johnny, these questions, these things like that, they're good questions. I should have stories for them. I don't. What's yours? Give me time to think. I have a couple. Uh, no, give me one. One time I was in Japan at a Ryokan, staying at my first Ryokan. I know there's rules. Have you stayed in a Ryokan before where you have to bathe? No. Like, that, like in a communal place downstairs? No, I'm much too uptight for that. I'm much too uptight for that. I could never do that. So they give you the rules and, you know, you have to, you have to, you're in a, men's and women's and I'm in there and you have to like, scrub yourself you're sitting on this little stool that my butt didn't even fit on and then the next day i go down to go to the same one and i'm in there scrubbing myself and this japanese lady comes in and she screams i'm like what the hell why is she in the wrong place well it turns out the place i was staying at every day they changed the, <laughs> the place because one's bigger than the other and they want to make it fair right. and so I'm, I'm sitting there scrubbing myself in the women's and anyway they're like, didn't you see the, the sign? It was red or, or blue. And I was like, sorry. It was, it was bad. Yeah. No, I saw King Kong scrubbing himself. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have stories like that. I'm much too tight for that. So luckily I would never, I, don't, I try not to get naked in front of myself. So I don't want to really All right. Um, before we go, I'm going to ask you your best travel tip. But before you tell us, Tell people where they can find you. Uh, your, you have a website, your social media handles. Yeah, I'm andrewmccarthy.com. It's my website, and I'm on Twitter. And I guess it's Andrew T. McCarthy. And, and YouTube? I'm on Instagram, too, which I never uh, – but and I'm on Instagram the same, Andrew T. Okay. McCarthy. 
And I'm Johnny Jet. So, you know, please subscribe to this YouTube channel and make sure you like this video, especially if you like Andrew. If you don't like it, you can dislike it. But come on, who's going to dislike this guy? Um, Andrew, what's your best travel tip? And then you're done. My only travel tip is just go. It's so easy to justify not going. It's so many reasons why not to go. And they're all fear. Just go. That's a good tip. All right, Andrew, thank you very much for taking the time. And uh, I'm going to stop this recording. Thanks, Johnny.